You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. And I want you to give a big, big, big hand clap and a big, big shout out to this, the Praise and Worship Band. They did so good today. Thank you, Kathy, for all your hard work. They were on. Maybe I should leave more often, you know. Just I come back and everything sounds so much better. So, no, Good job, Kathy. I know it's, you know, from experience, it's a lot, of, a lot of work. You know, musicians are weird to start, you know. So you've got to deal with that first. So. All right, let's get into it. So we've been on this series. Again, um, we had um, some, by the way, welcome back, our online audience. We're, let me give you a little talk about that. So this is for everybody. But the online church, you know, we know they're there. We love you guys. And we had... We're trying to get our system up, up to par, but as, as everything, it takes money. But, you know, eventually we'll, we'll get up our production way better, so we do apologize for last week's technical issues. But, you know, living in Hebronville, we don't always have the best of anything, so like Internet. <laughs> so, so welcome back for our online church, and for those in-house, good to see you guys. So if you haven't been on the series, it's been going on. This will be the fifth one that I do, and again... I didn't hear H. He said he was really good, but he told me, so that was kind of a biased opinion. So I said, how was it? He said, really, really good. I said, okay, that's a little biased, but that's... You gave yourself an offering, yeah. Was it, was it significant? Did you tithe off your own offering? Yeah, I know, I'm trying to figure it out. We've got to figure that one out. We've got to do a chart or something, right? How do you tithe if you give yourself an offering? Anyway, yeah, it's too early for that. Let's go. <laughs> so we're going to deal with one, and... You know, it's funny because this series, I thought, this, this series could go on like forever, right? Because Jesus, we're talking about 300 and something questions, so that's not the scope of the series. And I really thought I was going to kind of start something different. And, um, you know, we were up in Florida last week. We weren't what you would say, yeah, it's, you know, it was time of rest, but it's a time of, of pastoral rest. You know, so we were with Pastor Mel and our Canadian friends over there. And, of course, Gabe and some other relationships were building great couple that we've met for a few years from Hawaii, and so it was really good, you know, and a lot of great things came from it, and, and we'll share those as, as we move along. And um, one of the things I do want to throw out there, you know, that, that Pastor Mel, and we still have to unpack it, you know, he was really talking about us being in a, I want you to think about this, because it's not really the message, but I want you to kind of think about this, because this whole thing about the pandemic, and, you know, it's still going on or whatever, but it's, it's not... There was two aspects to it, and I think I've told you this before in the church. You know, there was, there was a natural aspect, of course, that we're all trying to navigate through, and then there's a spiritual aspect. And the spiritual one is the one we have to really try to understand. But one of the things that, that, I, that I believed, and then it was kind of confirmed at this meeting in Florida, is that I'd really do believe that we're not in a, in a new season, we're in a new era, and there's a difference. And again, I don't want to, this is not the scope of this message, but I want you to think about that because. You know, in life we have seasons, right? We go through seasons. Sometimes they're really bad seasons. Sometimes they're nice seasons. Just like a year, you have four seasons. So season is really, you know, a shorter period of time. When you talk about an era, you're talking about a very lengthy period of time. So I believe spiritually, and that's all I'm going to say. I'll close with that comment. But I want you at least to think about it. 
because you know, you will have to navigate different things in different eras. And I really think the whole COVID thing changed so many things. You know, when people talk about the new normal, there's no such thing as a new normal. Just take the word normal out, it's new. And we all have to learn, and it's not done, and it's weird, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff, and it gets, keeps getting weirder as the days go by. But you know, here's the one thing. So as we move into a new era, then you know, God will show us what it's all about. But, but the one thing you wanna take from this whole little introduction is that God never changes. So, you know, whatever we see on the outside, you, you guys really need to start making choices regarding, you know, how much of this will be priority in your life. You all still with me? Because Christianity is not a cult. I mean, I'm, some people take it to crazy places, you know, but um, it, it really is about the personal connection to something greater than you. And we've chosen, and I believe this is the way, right? Obviously, I believe this is the truth. We've chosen the path this way, right? God's word. Some people choose all kinds of different paths, but they're all seeking the same thing. And I think more than ever, you know, and we'll talk about this in the next few months because there's a lot in here that I want to unpack, is really understanding our connection with God, you know? And I've told more than once, um, and with that we'll get into this question I'm dealing with, um, more than one person, you know, especially people that are struggling with with Christianity, with, with their own personal life, they're struggling with you know, what is my part of this? You know, what is all this? You know, the church part. And, I t- you know, and I've told more than once people, I said, before you even go to church, and it sounds weird coming from a pastor, right? Before you even come to this church, you've got to resolve, resolve some things in your heart. You know, because unless you resolve the things in your heart, what's this, this means nothing, you know? It's really nothing. We're just here hanging, having a good time, and we love each other, and great music and great fellowship. But if the heart is not resolved, then you will walk out into the parking lot and really nothing really changed. You know, it just... You go home and throw your, well, you don't throw your Bible in the back anymore because it's on your phone back in the day. And then you come back next Sunday, you know, get another dose of whatever. And, but at the end of the day, there's really not a whole lot of evidence that, that things are changing in your life. And I think that's where the heart issue comes in. So really one of the things that Jesus, in his form of teaching, and, and again, I can't back up four weeks to bring you guys all up. If you're interested, and you can go download the free podcast or you can go into the archives of Facebook and listen to all the messages. So I'm not going to do that because it would take forever and I, you know, to, to try to unpack it. But where we did start, and we started, you know, Jesus taught with questions. That was a rabbinical style of teaching. And the reason questions are important, I'll just use this as an introduction, because, because questions demand, you know, what I just say, digging. I know that's kind of a loose term, but, you, you know, question, when you have one comment and the, and the answer is finite, example, if I said, you know, if I asked out and said, where are you going? That's a question. He says, San Antonio. That's the end of the conversation. Right? I mean, that's the end of that statement. You know, so the answer, and you would find it in life of Jesus, many, many, many times was another question. Isn't that crazy? I mean, so people say, you know, master, rabbi, you know, question, and, and, and they expected like this finite, simple Give me the, you know, give me the three steps to the, you know, whatever. And Jesus didn't do that. He said, well, you know, here's another question for you to think about. So that just pushed it into further dialogue. And what is? Further seeking. And I really believe, the more I study this subject, the really, I really believe that, the, you know, the rabbinical style of teaching, which, which Jesus had, you know, Jesus didn't invent this. He was taught in the schools of the rabbis, um, is really about getting into the core of what matters. And I think Christianity is full of a lot of things that don't matter, to be honest with you. 
Not that they're necessarily bad or necessarily good. I mean, there's some bad stuff, yes. But, you know, I don't want to, you know, we're not going to eliminate stuff, but at least you've you got to be able to categorize stuff. Because if you don't categorize stuff, then, you, then, then, you, then you're very superficial. You know, this is like really part two of the previous series I did about being deep into the shallow, you know. So this is kind of like we turned around. Now we're shallow into the deep things. You know, God has some really deep things for people to, to pursue in their own personal life. But we get stuck on a lot of shallow Christian-isms and Christianity things that the more, you know, again, guys, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and you see a lot of things, you hear a lot of things, and then you have to bring it back down into a place where, you have to kind of filter all this information and say, okay, what about me? You know, where do I stand in this big program of God, right? Because if you don't resolve that, then you're just, okay, go to church, you know? And no, it's not like that. It really is, is deep. Because as we're talking, I know, that, I know I have a lot of my spirits, so y'all bear with me. But as we're, as we're going down that path, then God really begins to reveal to you what's up. So you can talk about new eras, you can talk about all kinds of things, but unless the heart is really inquisitive in, in the sense of a desire, of what, you know, what is really going on. In other words, God will keep you at whatever level you want to stay. You want to stay at a very shallow Christianity, Jesus loves me, this I know, that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a deep revelation. But God is really pursuing, and, and as, as, you, as you process these things, you're going to find out, and this is kind of where I'm at in life now, that God has to work on you first, deep, before you're very effective in any area, other area. And, you know, we're humans, and we're broken, and we bring all, you know, just because you brought Jesus into your heart doesn't mean you didn't bring all the mess you had before Jesus. Come, you know, bringing Jesus into your heart is not the answer for your messed up life. That's the beginning of a direction. Because there's a lot of people that have Jesus in their heart, and their life is still all messed up. So we have to resolve that, right? So if Jesus is the answer, which is a Christian cliche, I turn that into, no, Jesus is not the answer. Jesus is the question to all of your answers. Because you've already resolved some things, and this is where we're going. This, you know, we resolve some things, and then we say, "Lord, this is what I need to happen. Can you just please zap it so it works?" Yes, if I don't know, yes, it can't need. Because that really is how we do, right? And we've and we've and we did four questions that kind of navigated around that area. What do you want? Who are you looking for? Remember, you know, we went through all these questions. So this morning, we're gonna, you know, again, I don't plan. You know, if we finish it, great. <laughs> but I'm not gonna chase it. Because there's a lot in here. So I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And there's a lot of questions in this one little teaching. Now, Matthew 6, there's a lot of stuff. So I'm only going to take one thing out of Matthew 6 towards the end. You can pick it up um, in verse, I guess, uh, 13. Hang on a second. Let me get my notes in order. That That would be a good start. What did I tell you? Matthew 6, right? Yeah, Matthew, I'm sorry, that's not, Matthew 6, 24. That's, okay, so, first of all, in this disclosure, now I'm going to tell you what, what the question is, because there's lots of questions. I just picked one out of different questions that Jesus brought up in this disclosure. What Jesus is really going to deal with is anxiety. And if there's something that COVID has taught us is that humans can get anxious really quick, really easily, right? Y'all leave? Y'all, did y'all preach a Baptist sermon last week? No, no amens, no grunts, no nothing. All right. Um, I have a little note here that I put here because, first of all, in my life, let me, let me share a little bit of my, where we're going with this, and this is not my first, so some of you are like saying, another message, I'm worried. No, it's not, it, it is, but it's different. You're going to get a lot out of this. 
you know, I came from one side of my family, I think I've said this before, they were chronic professional worriers. Anybody have those people in your family? And if there's nothing to worry about, they worry about that. What are we going to worry about? Everything's good right now. We've got to find something wrong, you know? And so I had that side, and then I had on my mom's side, it was kind of like the complete polar opposite, you know? And so I kind of was in the middle of this, and of course, as you know, as you raise whatever environment you raise, you're going to pick up those, those attributes into your character. So, you know, I find myself even currently with things that you struggle, and if you're not careful, you, you, you put yourself in a place where you become very anxious about stuff. So, so you know, that's, that's kind of the premise. So the, the second note on that is, where, you know, how, how does that apply to our life is because, I don't know if I put this note up there, Arjun, maybe I didn't, but anxiety is a silent destroyer. It is something that just eats at people. Now, anxiety and worry is the same word. You know, pick whatever word you want. Concern, cares, all these, the same thing. A demolishing internal wrecking ball that can leave even the best of us in, incapacitated. You know, if we don't deal with this thing, and, you know, I've been dealing with as a Christian for almost 30 years. You know, in a couple of years, it'll be 30 years. That, you're, that you say, you would think after 30 years of serving Jesus, you would have this one resolved, right? But it's not like that because it's something that I think it's an ongoing process. And here's what's happening is that Jesus makes these comments and principles that help our life. But until those comments and principles have a place where they go into ple- uh, in our hearts, that's what I'm saying, the heart issue it really doesn't matter how many sermons you hear. You know, you can hear the same sermon every week, you know, for a year and, and still walk out after 52 sermons of the same subject and have very, very shallow understanding because, what, you know, this is, this is not just a book. These are not just words on paper. This is living. And for the living word to be effective, I don't know I'm spending so much time on this, but I guess somebody needs to hear it. For the living word to be effective, it has to land on living flesh. Living word is not going to produce in dead ground. I don't care how living it is. Sometimes we've got to work on the ground. Didn't Jesus talk about that? Mark chapter 4? Seeds fall, right? And he talks about that. I'm, I'm like all over a bit. He talks about stony hearts. And I think that's one of the things that the that, that, that series, and I'm saying the series because it's not just this message, all connects to this resolve, you know? So we come here, and now Jesus begins. Let me go ahead and read it because... It takes me so long to get started. It's like an old car, right? We'll get going. Here we go. Um, Matthew 16, 24, reading. I got it. I'm going to show you a bunch of translations this morning. This is Tyndale's translation, so this is a little different. But whatever, and I have it up there. You can follow there. So um, we begin in verse 24, and there's a lot in here, but I just want to pick it up here because really, to me, this is where the context begins. So he says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. Because you cannot serve both God and money. Now, well, that's, you know, but, but the point of 24, he's talking about alliance. He's talking about partnership. He's talking about what are you connected to. In other words, you can't serve two masters. Don't worry, don't get, don't get hung up on the money thing, you know. He, just, just take that, that idea and then go into what he's trying to, get us to understand. So once you resolve that, you know, you come down to verse um, 25 says, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink and clothes. Doesn't life consist more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in the barns because your heavenly father feeds them and you're far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment 
to your life. Some translations say a cubit or stature. But I really like that. That's why I picked this translation because we're going to really break that little word moment out in a few minutes. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't, they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all your needs from day to day if you live with him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So, you know, in this one little disclosure that Jesus, which is his longest disclosure in this series... He, you know, he throws all these questions, and we're going to try to unpack this because I know God's going to speak to you this morning. Maybe not in all of them, but maybe there's one situation that you're trying to navigate through. That's, that's your response this morning. If you're here just to hear a sermon, you're going to get a, you know, you'll get something. But if you're here saying, I need answers in my life, trust me, you'll get an answer. God never, God never leaves us hanging. Now, let me help you. You might not like the answer, but he'll give you an answer. Hey. All right. Doing good, Pastor. Doing good. I get my own doing goods, right? <laughs> Let's break these questions down. I think, give me the next one, RJ. Um, I, I broke them down to make it easy for you. So these are these questions that are in this passage. Number one, isn't life more than food? Your body more than clothing? Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Now, the reason I'm reading them together, because it really sounds interesting. If you remove all the other information that he added, which nothing wrong, but if you just go like if somebody's questioning you, these are, these are all the questions that I just read to you. So, so imagine somebody's asking you these questions. On every one, you need to respond. Don't respond out loud, but re- at least respond maybe on paper. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Respond. Make sure you answer every one of them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Response. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Now, I like this translation, the word moment, and I, really, and I went back and... Let me, let me give you the, let's see if I can pull it up here. Hey, for example, I'm just going to pick that one because I, I want to really work on that. <laughs> so the Passion Translation says, so which one of you by worrying can, could add anything to your life? That same scripture, different translation. So I'll come back to that. And why worry about your clothing? And then, of course, the last one is why do you have so little faith? So obviously faith is connected to all the other questions. You with me? So the title of this question you know, this chapter of the series would be, why do you have so little faith? You know, nobody wants to hear that, but they're all related to that. Because worry is the number one thing that sucks all the faith out of you. Fear is the number one thing that takes everything from you. And, and so Jesus is trying to address, and, and in this disclosure, you've got to understand, Jesus spent so much time trying to get one simple point across, and over and over and over throughout all his parables, and it was really this one. Because he really, you know, he summarizes it because... Seek ye first the kingdom. Now, we've talked a lot about this in the church. We've done whole series on just the kingdom of God. But I, wanna, I want you to, you know, to break this down. Now, back to that one about the moment, because this is the one I want you to understand. And we're going to just kind of unpack here and there, and we'll see how far the, the clock takes us. Well, let me, let me break them down, and then we'll get to that one. So the first one is, is life more than food and body more than clothing? Of course it is. But, you know, we live in a society. That, that question right there, I just got a brief comment on that one. It's all about materialism. And we live in a system, more than probably any other country in the world, by the way. 
that is totally designed to be materialistic. So you're fighting that. Because everything is about the exterior. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to having everything you want, but if, if, you, know, if you buy something to impress somebody, you're, you, your heart's wrong. If you buy something to enjoy it, then okay, enjoy it. You know? If it's a used car for $1,000 or, or a Ferrari, I could care less if you're going to enjoy it. But if you're going to buy a Ferrari to impress me, you're not going to impress me. Because I actually look like an idiot trying to impress people. They don't care about you. Now you're drowning in debt trying to impress people. They could care less. You all with me? So it really is, you know, we have to have a relationship. Very simple question because the answer is like, of course, Pastor, life is more. Well, okay, what's life about then? Because, you know, that will open up another question. What is life? You know, what, what, what are we pursuing? What is, what is happiness to start with? You know, because is, is happiness a moment? Is happiness uh, something we can have every day? Or is happiness just, you know, this thing that we, you know, elusive little thing that we're all pursuing? So that one deals with materialism. What's your relationship with stuff? You know, it's okay to have stuff. It's really bad when stuff has you. Amen. You know, Americans, we're, we're the best, man. We fill, our, we, we fill our house full of expensive toys, and then we don't have any time to enjoy them because we're always working on them, right, Freddie? <laughs> working on the motorcycle, working on the boat, working on this, working on that. <laughs> no, there's more to life, people, than just stuff. And you have to navigate through that because you are slammed every day with more, 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 more. Spend more, spend more, get more, pile up more, 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 more. And pretty soon, you know, we, we're missing what life is. And then, you know, aren't you far more valuable? Of course we are. That one, I don't mean, But all these are perspectives, right? And then this one is the one I really was just been on me all morning. Can all your worries... All the things you're concerned about, all the things that are keeping even you from receiving this message, because some of you are sitting right here, some of you are watching me online, and you're, you're in church. In line, you're in church. Maybe you're in your living room, in your bedroom, but you're in church. And you're trying to focus, but you've got so much junk in your head, you can't even hear what I'm saying. Amen. Can all your worries change anything? You see, because here's, here, you know, if you want to write this down, this is not, I mean, it, it's profound. It's not spiritual. I'll tell you who said it, because I, I read from my everything. I mean, I'm not like, you know, I just pick up. I'm a reader. <laughs> I like to read. And Marcus Aurelius once said, if you don't know who that is, look him up. He said, enjoy your moment, because this moment is your life. And I thought that is so profound. Because we're always trying to enjoy the moment in front of us. Or we're miserable because of the moment behind us. But this is your life. Your moment is your life. You know, this moment right here, this is your life. Enjoy it. And that's what Jesus was saying at the end of this disclosure. That's exactly what he said. He says, why are you worrying about tomorrow if today has its own issues? In other words, he was referring to the present. Because, you know, when, when we're navigating through some of these things, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, it seems like either we have worry of the future. Give me the next one, RJ, because I think I'm, I don't want to miss my rhythm here. 
Okay. <laughs> so you say, don't worry. How many have heard that? Don't worry about it. You come to somebody and tell them what you're going through, they come up, don't worry about it. So what's the next question? How? You know, because next, sometime, next time somebody tells me don't worry about it, I'm saying, I'm, glad, I'm so glad you showed up because I was about to start. <laughs> Thank God you came into my life at the right moment because I was just about to take off on this tremendous journey of worry, but you stopped me. Come on, guys. I know I'm being stupid, but, but you know what I'm saying, right? It, it, it's these little cliches like, oh, just don't worry about it. So what happens when the doctor says you have cancer? Don't worry about it. What do you do with that? Just don't worry about it. Well, if you have the, the right frame of mind, you can get to a place where you don't worry about it. But we have to work on the frame of mind before just giving somebody a cute little, don't worry about it. Let's pray about it. I mean, those are wonderful things, but it's still not really helping me. Give me the next one. So this morning, I'm going to try to help you at least set some things in your life where you can leave this building with a practical application. Because it really comes to that heart issue. It really comes to perspectives. Let me just give you these definitions, because these are amazing. I mean, just the definitions of the word worry is, is pretty interesting. So worry means to disturb or irritate by persistent acts. I know people like that, right? Worry implies an insistent goading or attacking. Look at the last one. That drives one to desperation. So worry is fear of the future based on information from the past. Correct? And so why did Jesus spend so much time on this? Because he knew. And he makes a statement. I'm gonna, I read you the whole thing, that, you know, the primary scripture this morning we're going to use. But in that whole statement, he makes one little comment that he's trying to get us to, oh, react. He said, why are you just like everybody else then? Why are you, you know, the word Gentile simply means people without God. He's not talking about a race of people. He's not talking about a culture. He's just talking about people that really don't know God. He said, come on, God people, how come you guys are all stressed out and all worried and always in a knot, just like people that don't have God? So right there, I'm already telling you, when we have uncontrollable anxiety, and I'm not talking a medical, let me clear that up, because there is a medical condition, but a lot of these stuff actually comes from not resolving emotional issues. And your body will eventually adapt to whatever emotional issues you haven't been processing right, and now they will eventually convert into a medical depression and medical anxiety and medical whatever, and then they'll punch you with a bunch of pills that will chill you. When the pill wears off, you're ten times more anxious than you were before the pill showed up. You know, there's got to be a better answer. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And so, but here's the thing. If something we've learned in COVID is they've taught us how to worry. That was a really good spot for an amen. They taught us how to be professional worries about everything. And as soon as it looks like there's nothing to worry about, they'll come up with something else to worry about. First it was no masks. Then it's masks. Then it's two masks. Then it's vaccination plus masks. And now our little COVID guru says you're not supposed to hang out with your family on Christmas. Get off the soapbox, Mr. Box. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm preaching the message right now. I mean, it never changes. There's always something in your life demanding to put you in fear about everything. So once you understand how worry works, then you will be able to process it better. That's really my, 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 
commission this morning, that you walk out here thinking about this, that I've caused enough questions in your life that, you know what, I'm done with this. So, give me the next one. Now we're going to break this down. True happiness, because I, I, I threw that out there. What is happiness? Well, true happiness is simply to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. How about that definition for you? Not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied for he that is wants nothing. In other words, let me, let me, so, so true happiness is the moment. And you're always in that moment. And worry is always about looking at the future. And here's a big one. I'll get to that in a moment. Or dragging stuff in from the past. Laura. Isn't, that, isn't that like the weirdest human, you know, weird attribute that something happened in the past and we have no control over any way ever affecting the past? I mean, that is, you know, unless you get a DeLorean. Anyway. But we'll still are worried about stuff that happened in your life 10 years ago? Raise your hand if this is hitting home. I guess I'll just, t- I'll just tell you a Bible story. because Okay, thank you. I'll keep preaching. I'll preach it. We're like, oh, my God. I don't know what I'm going to do. And what are you worried about? Well, you know, five years ago. Because worry should really be something. I mean, it's not good in any form. But worry is really about what's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen in an hour from now? Some of you are worried that I won't shut up by 12. I know that already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Laredo Church is the best thing that happened to Hebronville Church because I have to finish early. <laughs> Laredo Church doesn't get that, you see. I just finish all the sermons. Sometimes they're all asleep. And, no, I'm just kidding. All right, let's keep going. Before we can go anywhere else, learning to differ, differentiate between the things that are under our control and things that are under our control is the first step to learning how to, the things that are not under our control is the very first step because, and I use a little, you know, kind of play on words on how to cast. Where'd you get that? First Peter 5, 7. This is what the Bible says. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him. <laughs> What's the next? Read it everybody together, that last line. Wake up. Leave them there. That's what we're going to learn this morning. For he always tenderly cares for us. So, on top of that, learning to differentiate between the things that are under our control and the, those things that are not is vital, vital. And that's really such a thing because, trust me, on the journey that I am right now in this season of my life, not an era, this season of my life, you would think that by, you know, I just thank God that I learned it now and I eventually learned it. I'll give you a little bit of, you know, and Monica can sit here and raise a couple eyebrows and probably age too because they've seen me at my best and my worst. But, you know, one of the, the worst things that happens to me, and, and that's just, you know, pray for me, because maybe that's just the way my head's wired. Like, if I have a plan, <laughs> like yesterday, I had all this plan to work, we, and, and we did work later, but my plan went off because my work truck didn't, you know, stop working. Well, it kind of throws everything off. Well, now you've got to make a choice, because this, I'm using that as an example. I can either get really upset, because I used to be the Kelvin, Hopefully, he's not, he's not all the way redeemed. Cut me some slack, but I'm getting there. Because I really am learning to see what is within my control. And that is not an easy subject. Because we bring a lot of things that we think we have control over. We have absolutely no control over it. You want one? People. Yeah, you don't have no control over anybody. You don't even have control over yourself. 
Yes? So the first step is this one. Now, that's not on the notes, but I'm gonna, if you want to write these down, because I'm going to tell you what you have control over. And this is a pretty finite list. I mean, this is pretty, this is it. And we might talk about some of the things that you think you have control over, which you don't. Guess what you don't have control over? COVID. Right, Joe? You don't have any control over it. I mean, you can do a few things, you know. You can make some decisions about it. But you really don't have any control over it. Things you can control, write these down. This was last-minute notes. <laughs> so when I say don't worry about it, the next question is how, then we have to define what we control. Number one, your emotions. I'm going to go pretty quick on these. Judgments, creativity, your attitude, your perspective, your desires, your decisions, and your determinations. That's pretty much it. There's nothing left that you have control over. I'll read them again So, You have control over your emotions, judgments, creativity, attitude, perspective, decisions, and determination. That's it. So anything outside of that, those, you, don't, you really don't have any control over. Now, there's areas in life where you can have somewhat control and somewhat influence. For example, as a father or a grandfather, I have somewhat control over my grandson. And as they evolve in their life, guess what you lose? You lose the control, right? Little by little, it's gradual. I mean, the baby doesn't need the same attention that a 10-year-old does. You agree with that? But it needs different attentions. But at the end of the day, you still don't have control over people. And, then the, and, and it's our job to navigate. And this is really because the idea of casting cares, I've preached this for years and years, and every time I preach it's a little bit different, which is kind of cool. You know? And I, I, I would make the joke, now you don't see those anymore a whole lot, but I remember when my kids were little, we'd buy those little, I don't know why, you, you know, you'd think you'd learn about the, the third one, but the little thing, you know, you're walking out the store, and you have the, Daddy, you got quarters, you got quarters, and put it in there, and you turn the little thing, and here comes this little thing with a little hand and a little sticky thing. How many know what I'm talking about? And then if you leave them on the seat, your seat will be ruined forever because they'll melt at 150 degrees, right? And you would throw it at something, and it would stick. And it would sit there for a bit. How many know what I'm talking about? All the millennials don't know what I'm talking about. That's all right. And it would stick there for a bit, and then it would go, pop, and it come back. And that is exactly the Lord showed me when I, when I was watching my kids play with it. It's been many years ago. I mean, they were little. And they're hitting there. And, I'm th- and, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's what you do with cares. You cast them, and then you pull them right back. And you cast them, and you pull them right back. And you cast them. So let's just be honest with each other. How many times have we prayed for something thinking? Because, you know, if, if we truly understand what prayer is, then if you come to God and say, Lord, help me with fill in the blank, at that point, it should be settled. In other words, we threw it, we cast the care. But as soon as we say amen, we pull it back. Put it in our pocket and worry about that thing all day. So come on, let's just wake up. We ha- those are the little kind of things that you and only you can resolve. I can't fix that for you. Why? Because I'm resolving in my own life. So I have to decide, how can I walk a life that is worry-free if I can't even resolve what is my responsibility about what or not to worry about. The last month, I've watched so little news, for example. 
Now, you, even if you don't watch it, you hear it, right? You can't get away from it. Because, and I'll tell you what did it to me. I, just, I mean, I'm just you know, honest with you. I've watched these my whole life, and it doesn't, you know, it bothers you to a point, but what really it got into me that just, that the Lord, you know, I said, you know what, I need to, I need to stop this because it's not a healthy place emotionally for me, was the, the Afghanistan debacle. That thing irked me so bad. I'm talking, let's, go, let's do a protest march, you know, I mean, like, how can you do that to, the, you know, I mean, I don't even want to go down the path because it'll just make me mad, but what's happening, I have absolutely no control over that. You got me? I can sit there and watch, just like I'm watching a movie, but once that thing infiltrates my emotions, we got to stop and, hey, wait, 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 because I do have control over my emotions. Okay? So going back to the way, you know, I used to, you know, so I'm, 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 I haven't lost this, this, the story I was telling you. Know, so you have a plan. Your plan doesn't work. For example, you know, you need to get to the airport. Well, even if you planned everything perfectly, you know, you give yourself all the time in the world to get there, and you're almost to the airport, and then just this ginormous traffic jam, and you're packed right in there. Or anywhere that you have to be at a certain point. point. Well, in Heavenville, there's no context to traffic jams. I get that. But, <laughs> just weird thoughts I get. And I've been in those situations. And what happens? You begin to get mad and angry. Oh, I can't believe this. Start pounding. Restless leg syndrome. You like that, Andy? It's restless leg syndrome. I thought that was funny myself. And guess what? You have no control over any of it. And you were having a fine day. Because here's the other thing you have to understand. Once you resolve some things, because there's a couple of other things I could, I could give you an idea. But now I'm stuck in traffic, and I have absolutely no control over any of the circumstances that are plaguing me right now. And then you go to the next one. Worst case scenario. Now, I used to, H and I had a big, long conversation a couple of days ago about what risk management. And I, I used to work in environmental engineering. One of my jobs was risk management. I'm not going to bore you with all that. But one of the keys of risk management is worst case scenario. You know what? Christians need to think sometimes worst case scenario because that's where God comes in. Because, you know, here we are. Oh, oh, we're mad. We're yelling at the wife, yelling at the kids. We've got to get to the airport. We're going to lose a plane. And what? So, say it. What? Because I can't do anything. I can't get up there and throw cards around like if I was an X-Men or something. Then comes the resolve. Lord, I need to get to the airport. And that's the end of it. Well, and if you miss a plane, I'll get on the next one. I'll be a few hours late, but my life's not over. But in that moment, you could have acted like if your life was over, right? You were so worked up about something so stupid and so insignificant, made everybody in the car miserable, and you had no control over it. Ahí también calladitos mis hermanos de Hebron hoy. This is bringing it home a little bit. Because here we are, Lord Jesus, fix it, help me, you know, pay for it, heal it. And God says, yeah, but as long as you own it, I can't help you. And worry is owning Trouble. That's what worry is. Anxiety is owning trouble. Fear of the future. Based on fears of the past. And you're just miserable in your present. 
And you're not effective spiritually. You're not effective to people because you're all just in, you know, encompassing to your own little situation. Give me, give me the next one, RJ. Let's, let's finish this up. So, questions. Let's, let's finish this up with a few questions. Can you change anything from the past? Of course not. How many agree that sometimes if we dwell on the past, we'll bring worries from the past in, right? So the next question is, do you have controls over things that already happened? Of course. I say, Pastor, those are, those are so silly questions. But the fact of the matter is, people live there all the time. All the time. There could have been, would have been, should have been living in, in, in dreams that have expired. Now, I'm, I'm a big on dreams. You know me. I'm always, hey, dream big, all that. But some people are living on dreams that expired when they were in high school. You see them up and down. Oh, uh, yeah. They're still living in the past. They forgot that life included getting a job. Right? So we begin to really, you know, like I said, the one thing I want you to take, your takeaway this morning is really, what are the things that are beyond my control? What's the next cycle? We must then willingly accept the past. Some of you... By the Holy Spirit. I know I took a, like, a little rabbit trail in the past because I was on something else, but I, I've learned to go with it. Some of you in this building have major issues in your past that are tearing up your present. Some of you are still dealing with major failures. I've had them. Bad decisions, bad investments. Oh, I've lost tons of money. But you know what? Today, his mercies are fresh. Amen. You don't have to worry about the past. The only thing you should bring up, uh, uh, because some people say, you know, exp- you know, people learn from experience. I don't believe that. Right, H? We talked about this. Because sometimes people do the same dumb thing for 15 years, so obviously they don't learn from experience. I'm just saying. <laughs> Does anybody know somebody? Does anybody like that? No, don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> we say, oh, you know, experience teaches. I said, no, 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 not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to learn, it'll teach you something, but... I know people that do this, you know. No, no, no. So this idea, because, you know, says, why, why are you so much on the past? Because we are transferring a lot of negativity. And once again, it's completely out of your control. So make sure, because, and, and I didn't put this, that's not the scripture. I just put a reference. That's my thought with that reference. The scripture says, Paul said, Philippians 3.13 says, one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, one thing. This is the Apostle Paul. Two-thirds of, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Brought the gospel to the Gentiles. Biblical heroes. He said, I do one thing. I forget what is behind. That's what Philippians 3.13 says. I forget what's behind, and I stretch forward to the high price of the calling. In other words, Paul understood perfectly his present. He knew that Everything from the past was irrelevant. The betrayals, the backstabbings, the prison time. He went through a lot of stuff as a Christian. But he was aware that if I dwell on that, I will make my present depressing and negative. If I dwell on that, I'll bring, oh, because these brothers betrayed me and they, you know, they stabbed me in the back. I can't trust anybody in my future now. Come on, somebody. Because somebody broke your heart in the past. Now you're over here, and God has presented a perfect situation for you. Well, you can't trust that person because somebody broke my heart in the past. And then you wonder why God isn't answering your prayers. God is answering prayers all the time. But unless you resolve that place of the moment, 
Because that's what Jesus was referring to. I mean, he, he concludes with the moment. He says, why are you worried about t- tomorrow? And he actually uses the word evil. I mean, it's not like, what are you worried about tomorrow? You know, he doesn't use that. He said, tomorrow has its own issues. Today has its own issues. Because, again, by, you know, here, here's the thing. Once you resolve, I, I was going to illustrate with, a, with circles, but then the time, you know, I wasn't able to put all together. But if you can see circles, there's areas of my influence. You know, i got this little circle around me, and all these things I can affect. It includes family and finances and whatever and myself. But then that next layer, there are things that you can somewhat affect. And that, that's also, that's a whole other teaching one at a time. But then the third layer where most of us live, which that's third layer, layers of where you're supposed to be, is all the things you have absolutely no control over. And I can just throw some out there to give you an idea. You know what you don't have control over? I mean, you have limited control over. You have some control over, but you have very limited control over the, the time of your death. You know what you have no control over? The time of your birth. Right? So, you know, beginning and end. And how many, because, you know, if we, if we learn something from COVID, what was the message of COVID? Fear of death, fear of death, fear of death, fear of death, fear of death. Again, you know, we use wisdom with whatever. Some say we use wisdom, but some say with what science? Who knows what the science is now? Because it's all politicized. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to live my life being scared of COVID, you know, what's the point of life? Again, I'm not, I'm not an anti-anything. Use a mask, you know, get the vax, do whatever you need to do. Just don't live in fear. You know, <laughs> I know it sounds ironically like a joke, but it's, it's sad. I mean, I, I saw them, even in Florida, I mean, you see guys working out by themselves in a beautiful place with palm trees and with a mask, and I'm like, dude, COVID doesn't grow on trees. Just saying. I mean, stuff like this, you know, but, but, but we get... When worry contaminates you, let's just use the word for what it really is, fear. Worry is just, worry is really, how can I put it? Worry is fear revealed. Fear is revealed in worry. You want to know what you're fearing? You know, what what you, because you say, I don't fear nothing. Okay, just be honest with yourself this week. Take out your phone or make a journal and just sit down with yourself and say, let's talk about what we really are afraid of. Because everything you're afraid of will lead you to death. I mean, that's the ultimate end of fear. Fear of death. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 says. Well, I'm not scared of dying, Pastor. Aren't you not? I just, I'm just a little concerned about COVID. You're scared of dying. Let's call it what it is. And then if you're not scared of dying, you're scared about, and again, isn't that, uh, is that well, no, not that way about your kids or your family or, or some of these things. Because, you know, I, you know and, and trust me, my perspective on COVID is, 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 is very, very personal. I've already lost, you know, a brother of mine, not, not blood brother, but he could have been a blood brother because of the sickness. So I hate it. I've done way too many funerals in the last two years, and COVID was the reason. So I, I'm very aware of how serious this thing is. I don't play games with it. But guess what? I made a choice. I'm still going to live my life. Amen. Because what if this thing goes on for 10 years? You're just going to lock yourself up for 10 years? You're going to wear a mask for 10 years? That would be a funky sun, uh, tan line, right? <laughs> like when you do motorcycle, right? You raccoon eyes, but you have a raccoon half of your face. I mean, it's crazy, guys. But we have to understand this. You know, 
This is where spirituality meets reality. There's a spiritual realm, there's a real realm. And we're stuck right in the middle of this realm. And we have to navigate the natural, we have to navigate the spiritual. And that does, and guess what? Church doesn't, is not supposed to do that for you. Church is only supposed to teach you. Is it, didn't, didn't Paul say? You know, put the spiritual in the spiritual and put the natural in the natural. And then you get, you know, I could tell you some stories I heard, but I'm not, about if we're not careful with this, then we get, even Christianity, we get a little psychotic on it. Because you could go on the extreme of this. Right? I'm not going to worry about nothing and, and then not really listen to reason. And now you get yourself in another situation. And I, and I think that's really where I'm at. I'm, that's not the message for now, but just stuff that I, conversations I've had with different people. You know, where is the Christian reasoning in all this? With, with this whole thing, you know, with, with the COVID and do I get a vaccine? I don't get, I mean, where's the reasoning? I mean, there's like no reasoning on both ends. I'm talking the extreme right, extreme left. There's no reason, you know, force people, you know. I mean, is there reasoning in, in forcing nurses to resign because they don't want to get a shot while, while we're having a lack of nurses? There's no reasoning in that. Amen. You know, I thought the most ironic one was, and I might be wrong on the dates, but I heard it from a BP guy that, if by a certain date they're not vaccinated, they got, they're going to get terminated. The same people that are arresting illegal aliens that are not forced to be vaccinated or even tested. So the person that's arresting this guy will be fired for not taking the vax that this guy's not even asked to take. There's no reason. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on a soapbox. I'm just saying there's no reasoning. So it's up to Christians to receive information from everywhere, from the science and from God, primarily from God, but don't get also hyper-spiritualized where you think you're hearing God and you're not hearing God. You're thinking a bunch of other, you're hearing a bunch of other crazy Christians that think are hearing God. And they're dying. Trust me, I know, I'm not going to get into that. You know, but they're on, on tangents that are not spiritual. They sound spiritual, but they're not. And what's happening, it is really this lack of reason. And, and when we talk about, I'm not, I'm not off the subject, I'm just trying to get you to grab something. You have to reason that one point, I only gave you guys really one point this morning. And I've been talking for an hour now, but one point was, what things do you control? When you resolve that, make sure you do the best you can on those things. That's what I'm saying. We have a lot of work just to fix ourselves. We really, you know, stop trying to fix everybody around you. Because they are, all those people that cause you all that stress and worry, guess what? They're outside of your sphere of influence. You can pray for them. You can encourage them. But you're not going to change them. Amen. Are you getting something out of this? All right, let's close with this. Give me, I think it's the last one, Arjun. We, however, are tormented alike by what is past and what is to come. Memories bring back the agony of fear, while foresight brings it on prematurely. Isn't that interesting? That's not my idea. I forgot who I pulled it from, but it was so good. Here's another one. Happiness is never confined to the present. Is it? Or is it not, right? Because happiness, what is it? Happiness is whatever, whatever moment you're in, it's either going to be happy or miserable. And you could go 30 times in a day from one to the other. So happiness is never confined to the present. What, I, what, I, what am I saying is because a lot of us are determining our happiness based on stuff that happened in the past. I'm not happy because, here we go, okay? Tell me why you're not happy. Because whatever you're about to say has, is completely beyond your control. 
The next word out of your mouth is completely out of your control, unless the next word is, I'm not happy because I'm an idiot. Then you got some control. <laughs> I hope you all come back next week. I know this is being a little harsh. I'm just, I, you know, I love you guys. I'm trying to help you. Let's enjoy life. You know, God designed this to be good. Amen? You know, in the beginning. Let's go back to in the beginning. But you've got to understand, our, you know, happiness is, is, is because here's, here's what, what, what our moments are contaminated by. They're either contaminated by the would have, should have, could have, or they're contaminated by, oh, my gosh, what happens when the bill shows up? You know what happens when the bill shows up? That's when you work on it, not worry on it. Or if you see it coming, you work on it in your present. I, I never can quote this right, H, so you can fix it. But he, he, he said something many, many, many years ago. Stayed with me. He says, well, I heard it from him. or either he, or he, he, H went through a stage in his life where he'd have these really smart aleck T-shirts. So I don't know. Oh, because no, you have, of course, your principal now. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> he's getting too sophisticated. And it said something to this. Why? Correct me if I get it wrong. Why should your latest crisis be my next problem? Or <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I had one that said, uh, "Failure to plan on your part is yeah. not something like that." You know, and that is really—I don't know if you guys heard it—but that's those should be proverbs, right? <laughs> because we live in a world where we are trying to navigate in our own personal life, and when I mean my life, this includes like all these people. Mm-hmm. It's not just me, 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 me. But once, you know, really outside of my family, my, you, know, you know, I'm talking about my blood family, then yes, of course, I have my church family and so forth. But I'm not responsible for you guys to be like, oh, man. I'm called to be a pastor at this point in my life. I'm not called to be anything else. I'm not called to be your provider. I'm not called to be your guru. I'm called to teach you the word, that's it. But I'm comfortable there now, you see. Because even in ministry, you know, so, so happiness, you know, think about this, because here we are in this, this, the only thing we're confined in is present, our present. That's it, that's where we're stuck, in the moment. But we're already looking at stuff here that might be a week ahead or a year ahead, and we're making ourselves miserable right here, Laudo. Where you, none of us in this room, none of us have tomorrow promise. Y'all good with that? I haven't found a scripture that says tomorrow's promise to you. I haven't found it. A lot of the teachings of God will says, what, you know what you should be concerned about your future? You make sure you get to heaven. And the way you do it is by navigating your present with the presence of God every single day of your life. Let God fix today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Live here. Make your happiness. You know, because happiness is not about, ah, I'm giggly happy. Happiness is about serenity. Happiness is about tranquility. And tranquility is the path Tranquility is not, is not the location. Tranquility is the path to a place called serenity, or if you want the Bible term, the word peace, because that's really the pursuit that I'm on. I'm not looking for happiness. I'm looking for peace. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, we need like a major noise cancellation, but for our brain, not for our ears. Cancel all the noise, because a lot of that noise, I have zero influence over it. That's where I'm at today, and I'm telling you, it's helping me so much. Give me the, I have one last scripture. I keep throwing slides. He that suffers, this is so good. He that suffers more than necessary, who suffers before it's necessary. Seneca. 
<laughs> that is so good. Because how many people know people like that? They talk. Betty over there smiling, right, Betty? <laughs> you know people like that. Their whole conversation is about how miserable tomorrow is going to be. They're suffering in the future. Anybody know anybody like that? No, you guys don't know anybody that's suffering in the future. That's called worry. Worry, another definition, is suffering in the future. And last slide. I keep saying last slide. And keep, I think he's adding slides back there. What's going on, Arch? Here we go. <laughs> We're going to close with the message translation. Has this helped you this morning? Don't fret or worry. Boom. Command, right? Instead of worrying, pray. Now, this is a message translation of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Let petitions and praises shape your worries. When's the last time you did that? Don't answer it, because I'm guilty too. He's telling us exactly what to do. Ooh, I'm worried about it. Praise God. Worship Jesus. And you're going to find out how quick that worry leaves. It's right there. Shape your worries. I'm not saying wish your worries into the cornfield and act like they're not real. Shape them into your present and shape them into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I could have preached a whole message with that scripture. It's all in there. You guys go look it up. You guys need to read slower. Why? Because it's a living word. Where do you get your sermons from? Reading slow. That's exactly where I get my sermons from. Reading slow. Reading it again and again. That's why I can come back to a scripture that I've preached for 29 years and still find some cool stuff that I had never said before. And that's one of those right there. Look at different translations because this is so rich. And I want you to, you know, this is your challenge this week. If you want to do it, fine. If, this, if you think this is putting you on a path to help you, then you'll do it. I really want you to write down. It's, you don't have to, this is between you and God. But if you write it down in some form on your phone or somewhere you can see it, really just be honest with yourself. Write down everything you're worried about. Every one of them. The bills, the family, whatever. COVID, whatever causing you concern. And once you have that list, you do that right there. You start praying over every one of those. Because Christians like, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to. Jesus didn't say don't worry about it. He said change worries into prayers. He didn't say, oh, let's just, let's just not worry about it. No. Because now you're worried about not worrying about it. Because that, that is, you know, that's a cliche. I'm just not going to worry about it. And you know inside you're just thinking about it the whole time. It's okay to come to an honest church once in a while, right? If it's not real, then what are we doing here? It's wonderful. It is wonderful, church. Stand to your feet. It is wonderful when Christ displaces worry from the center of your life. If you're here this morning and this message has ministered to you in any form or fashion regarding this one thing, and this is not about, I really, as I was praying for the message, because I prayed all the way through. I don't just stop. I said, Lord, will there be an altar call? Will I lay hands on people? Will I pray for people? And this is not about social distancing. I was going to pray for people, and then the Lord said, no, because this here's what I want to do it's not about bringing you up here and, and making you even feel uncomfortable because sometimes even prayer lines if you're not careful you put people where they feel uncomfortable right but if you're dealing with this if this is something that the Lord you know is, is ministering to you this morning about how you manage 
worry, how you manage concerns, how, how, how do you manage life? Ask the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you right now. Ask the Holy Spirit, but I want you to leave fear in this house. You, you make sure you're done with fear this morning. Make sure you're done with, with things that you cannot control. And really, that's another prayer. Ask God. This is my, my current prayer today, and trust me, he's answering it. He will answer it. I went to the Lord probably about a month and a half ago. Because, you know, you guys are getting messages that I've, I've sort of processed. This has this, this not come up like this week. I've been working on this probably for six months in my own personal life. And, you know, and, I, and one of my prayers was, Lord, please help me identify the things that are out of my control. Because sometimes I'm convinced they're in my control and they're not. And he does. He'll show you. He says, that, that's out of your control. And, it, and, the, and the more I see him, I'm like, I, the same, the other side of that coin is there are things that we have. Remember, it's three levels. You have your life, somewhat control, and no control. In the area of somewhat, you also need to pray that one because we do have some control in air in some areas beyond the first circle. That's I don't, I don't want to get deep on that. But what I do want you to do this morning is be honest with yourself, number one, and then be honest with God. And if you do those two things, you will set yourself. Now, are you going to practice this? That's up to you. I can't. You know. It's kind of like learning guitar. I could teach you a couple chords on the guitar, but unless you go home and buzz it, we're not going to get anywhere. Can you effectively practice this? In other words, don't worry, you know, don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about it. You don't know what you're doing. Start with little things. Start with the tomorrows. What are the fears coming in from tomorrow? And then if you want, I don't know, if you want to work a little bit on the fears coming in from the past, work on those too. Bow your heads and pray. Father, we are, we're all on the same journey together, Lord. I don't, nobody has this down except you, Jesus. And you are our teacher. And if something I've learned from reading you and studying you and, and knowing you the way I know you is that all you generate, all you have is peace. And Lord, we are on a journey to live in this place of serenity, to live in this place of peace where not one outward circumstance can move us out of that location. Because that's where the presence is. The word says, be still and know. And you can't be still and know unless you resolve fear. You can't be still and know unless you've resolved these things that keep coming in and coming in and coming in. You know, be still and know that he is God. And Father, right now we take, we're calling it what is all the fears that Satan has tried to plant on us, especially in the last couple years. But throughout life, the worries, the fears, the concerns... And Lord, yes, we want to be participant in everything. We want to be participant in society, but we will not worry. We will not go to a place of anger and strife and fear on things that we have absolutely no control. So Lord, our prayer this morning is you show us what are our area of influences. What are the things where we need to abide and focus on? And also, Lord, with that prayer, I pray for all those here that have struggled with fear and have struggled with worry their whole lives, Father, because I know it's a spirit. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus, and I believe with all my heart, Father, like if I was laying hands on every single one of them, that spirit leaves you now in Jesus' name. And you will be filled with the spirit of God. You will be filled with a spirit of love and a clarity of thinking. You know, the word says, be sober and diligent because your adversary." You know, that's the Satan's technique to make you drunk with fear, drunk with worry. You can't think right. So, Father, this morning, we 
thank you for these questions. And Lord, we are kingdom seekers. That's not our world. We know that, Lord. And the world is crumbling and folding in so many ways, but our world with you, God, is not affected by any of it. We will live in this world, and we will do what we need to do, and we will help as many people as we can, but we will not go to a place outside of that place called peace. So teach us, show us, and help us. And I believe with all my heart, Father, that right now you are raining down your presence. If you're here in this house, you're watching me online, you know, it's very easy to assume that everybody's a child of God. Say this prayer with me if you want to. If you don't know, if you're connected to God, watch out for your past, you know, watch out. Because your past and say, oh, are you kidding me? You don't think God knows what you do? Of course God knows what you're doing and you're still in church. Huh, how about that, huh? God made sure you made it this morning. God made sure you tuned in online this morning. So don't, don't, don't condemn yourself no more. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning, I give you the only thing I can give you. Say that. My life. All of it. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to help me, Lord Jesus. With your presence, your spirit, and your peace. Amen. Now you can give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on, church. Woo! That was good. Glory to God. You may be seated. Glory to Jesus. Well, still thinking about so much stuff, but I need to get quiet. Let's talk for a few minutes. I'm going to get you out here a little bit earlier. As you know, we have second service in Laredo. Um, like Kathy said, it's good to see you guys. You know, we're getting more people. There was a couple of Sundays ago when I came, and it was like, where'd everybody go? <laughs> but I want to encourage you. You know, I want to encourage you with, with the message this morning. You know, really look at look at the big picture. Don't just take my little things I said. You know, look at the big picture of what God's trying to trying to get us. Because here's here's where I'm going with this. I really begin to see, and I, I, I mean, I don't want to navigate into areas that I'm not. I don't have freedom to share completely, but our governor, you know, like him or not, whatever, that's not the point, but he said something two years ago, a year and a half ago, when COVID started, but it's been kind of bubbling in my spirit. He says, churches are essential. Remember that? So Texas, we never had to close down. I was talking to the Canadian pastors. You talk about miserable. Um, Hawaiian pastors, they're still in full lockdown. In Hawaii. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we were down six weeks They've been down almost a year and a half someplace where they can't congregate. What, what, so where am I going with this? Your relationship, I think this is the only thing I'm going to say you know, regarding this. Your relationship with everything that we do here, it should not be exterior. In other words, are you, and this goes for our online church, trust me online, you can participate in a lot of ways. Are you a spectator? Are you a participant? That's pretty much it. Because the fullness of your development as a Christian is going to be as a participant. That's just the way it is. Let's bring it to something you will all understand. Those of you that like sports, I know some of you believe that all sports are from hell, and I agree on some sports. That's good. But if you know, if you like sports, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, think about football or something. Um, who's having the most fun? The kids that are standing on the sideline, or the kids on the field? Where does everybody want to be? On the field. 
even though they know they might get hurt, they might get broken bone, you know, something doesn't go completely right, but every kid wants to be on the field. Church is kind of the same way, you know, but it's up to you. If, you know, we really need participants. If this church is going to go to where, where God called it to do, and, and this church has done some amazing things, I'm telling you, <laughs> you, you should see the, the kudos that this church gets, even though we're a very, very small church in, in, in numbers, but the influence that Faithway has had. Well, here's where we are now, because I really think that we, as, as we're moving, you know, trying to bust out of this craziness that COVID has caused on us, we are going to need full participation. I just don't see how we're going to do it. So I'm, I'm calling out two, two things this morning. Number one, those of you that are participating, don't get weary in well-doing. If you're tired, talk to me. Take a break. But don't serve weary. If you're weary, take a break. But but I'll tell you something. If you're weary, sometimes better than a break is get your fire back. Do whatever it takes to get your fire back. Because we need your influence. We need Children's Church back on. We need our nursery full blown. We need our youth. We need everybody on. But we are still short on so many levels. So my, my, my call out this morning is for those of you that are not participating, pray about it. But don't pray too long. Because there is a place for you. You are needed. You know, God is placing, you know, I don't have a lot of freedom to share, and nothing, there's no secret messages and no secret agendas. But I'm trying to, you know, kickstart my ministry, which my ministry, for most of you, most of you know that, is not just Pastor Faithway. There's a lot more that I'm involved in. I'm involved in missions, you know. We got, I've been invited right now. I got a, a, before the end of the year, I got a conference in Istanbul I've been invited to. I got a conference in Hungary and a conference in Ukraine before the end of the year. I mean, it's all the same trip. But, you know, for these things to happen, you know, that's just my thing. That's, that has nothing to do with you, except, you know, where our faith way. But what happens? Because the church is not about Pastor Bob. The church is about everybody. And we need participations. We need, you know, I'm talking at every level. I'm not just talking, oh, I need a, we need ushers. We need people that are anointed and appointed to lead, to teach, to pray for people. And, and, you know, I, I'm saying this really, I feel almost like a prophetic anointing on this because God is really, some of you, here we go. Some of you need to stop fighting with the Holy Spirit. That's, what, that's the word. The Holy Spirit's been scratching at you and scratching at you, scratching, and he does it in a very loving way. And he's saying, come on, get on the field. Get on the field. We need the players. So you guys, you know, don't, like I said, don't take too long because it's on the field is where the action is. I could see some of you going on mission trips. I could see you guys running full ministries. But unless you get on the field, you're never going to learn. It's really easy to be, you know, the coach on the bleachers, right? Come on, we do it every Sunday, you know. We talk trash to all the coaches. Come on, we need you. Get your fire back. And to my leaders, get your fire back. I mean it. Because what's going to happen, your fire will move if you don't get it back. God loves you. And you are still very effective and God needs you. But if you don't get your fire back, God will move the fire. How do I know? Trust me. I know even in my own life. If I, if I don't do what I'm called to do, God will call somebody, bring somebody else to get his agenda done. And the agenda of this church is not to see who's behind this pulpit. There's a whole lot more than behind this pulpit. There's actually way, way more than behind this pulpit. People reaching out with each other, talking to each other, praying for each other over the phone. Different you know, Facebook groups that we have. All this stuff that's going beyond here is really what church is about. You know, people reaching out. All those are places where we need you. 
So again, pray about everyone. Everyone has a place in this house. Some people, you know, say, Pastor, I just walked into church today, gave my life to Jesus. How in the world could I serve? I'll, I'll put you to work. You might not be preaching, but you'll be. You might be shaking somebody's hand next Sunday. I'll, I'll put you to work. Because, you, you know, that's when you take ownership. You're driving down the highway, you're driving with somebody who doesn't know, and you drive by the church, and you might say, oh, that's my church. Or you might say, that's where I go to church. When you go from that's where I go to church to that's my church, you've, you've, you've come in, right? Now you're, you're on the field. So, again, I'm not, I'm not throwing it out there, but we are going to kick up our children's church back up October 31st. Um, we just kicked it back up in Laredo, and we need people. That's our biggest one right now. We need, you say, you know, some of you are like, Pastor, I can't even stand my own kids, you know, take care of those somebody else's kids, you know. No, but you know what happens when you sow a seed in somebody else's child? God who does the work in your kids. That's just biblical law. I mean, that's the law of Genesis. I mean, you sow into somebody else's life, God will produce a harvest according to the seed because everything produces according to a seed. And you don't understand, but you know, 20 years down the road, your kids might be going through something and you'll be able to put a demand on that seed. How do I know? I know. I said, Lord, I serve. My seed's in the ground. I'm not putting any demands. Bring in the harvest, Lord. And before you know it, that young man or that young lady that's running from God will begin to turn, begin to turn. Because God will never, listen to me, ever forget a seed. A seed of service, a financial seed, a seed of compassion, a seed of love. You'll never forget any of them. And you will need a harvest of those someday in your life. Amen? Well, if you need an envelope for your giving, their instructions are there. I'll give you more updates next week. Um, all things Cuba. Cuba's, we're already planning a lot of stuff for next year. Hopefully, looks like Cuba's opening up. So for all the people that have a heart for Cuba, we might be going back next week, Jenny. So not next week, next year. Is it next week? Maybe next week. No, Cuba's not open yet, but it looks like they'll be open for 2022. So, you know, maybe God's calling you on, on some of these mission trips. You know, these ladies, Miriam and Yanis and Angie and Araceli, if I would have told them eight years ago you're going to be in Cuba, they were like, whatever. And they were there, and they were supposed to be there again, but then COVID showed up. So some of you don't know what I'm talking about. We Four ladies of our church by themselves, no men. The men stayed home to wash dishes. They went on the mission field. And they reached, pay attention, if you don't think God can use anybody, they reached over 600 kids in a week in three different cities in the nation, in a communist nation. Out of what? Hebronville. Come on, church. Isn't that exciting? I mean, I don't know if that excites you, but it's so God. That's what we're talking about. Get involved. I don't want you just to get involved because I'm giving you the speech. Get involved because your heart's tugging at you to say, I want to be on the field. Amen? Stand to your feet and I'll get you out of here. It's good to see everybody. There's instructions if you'd like to give to the church. We need all the help we can get. You know, stuff doesn't cost any cheaper because you're in church. <laughs> we got to thank God, praise God for our, our new air conditioning. That air conditioning unit's been there like 20-something years, the old one. So praise God. God came through. So excited about that. Father, we just thank you this morning. We've learned and heard and listened to your spirit from the praise and worship. And Father, we pray that as we leave this building, we truly leave from this place being bigger and greater on the inside and on the outside. And Father, right now, every challenge, if you're facing challenges in your life, you don't have to tell me what it is. Trust me, the Holy Spirit knows. I'm just going to get an agreement right now that the glory of God will pour over your house if there's anybody dealing with COVID, that the glory of God will pour over that person's life wherever they are, if they're in the hospital 
or if wherever they are, Father, we call them healed in the name of Jesus. We are so done with this thing. We rebuke that spirit. And Father, for anyone struggling financially, we pray, Lord, that you do move, that you move things, show them things, show us our part. But I just thank you, Lord, that this is going to be a great week. That as we come into this month excited, as we're looking at the end of the year, Father, we know that that this year is going to end on a super high note. It's good to see everybody in church. I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, shake somebody's hand and show yourself friendly, and you are dismissed.